Oh, hello everybody. Welcome to episode three of the RIP podcast. Uh, we hope you've had a very good week. Uh, as usual, I am joined by uh, Barnaby and uh, we've actually got a brand new person on the podcast this week. Uh, we've got a friend of ours who goes by the name as Christoph. How are you doing today, fuckhead? Fucking grand, mate. Me and my pink cider are killing it. <laughs> well, it's a strongbow rosé because it doesn't get more sophisticated than that, right? Yeah, you got well, you want to be white trash, but also sophisticated white trash at the same fabulous, time. Man. Ghetto fabulous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm getting the 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 uh, not Chris Rock. Who the fuck's Chris Rock? He's the he's the black comedian. No, oh, Kid yeah. Rock. I'm getting Kid the uh, the ki- I'm, I'm getting what? the Kid Rock. I'm getting the Kid Rock vibes off you just by looking at you through the. Uh, the screen here, so uh, good thing he's the kid rock around there. Good thing Scotty isn't on the call, otherwise he'd have something to say. Like, oh, not the kid rock, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mixed it up the other day because I think I was I was talking to uh, Christoph and I called him Kid Cock, which wasn't a really. I read it back and I was like, that sounds really uh, sinister. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, have you had a good week, chaps? Uh, yeah. Same as usual, stuck indoors doing absolutely nothing, doing the right thing basically. Other than that, nothing much else. Yeah. I think I've just like got an alcohol problem at this point. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what is there to do? I read a book, had a juggle. I'm going to drink a load of fucking alcohol now. It just numbs the monotony. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel that it's kind of become a lot more socially acceptable now to be drunk at like 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, just because. Yeah. Uh, what else is there to do? But um... years ago, I used to be like, you know, what? I'm never going to end up as one of those cunts who sat on his own, bored as fuck. Like, see people in the pub, and they're just on their ones, getting drunk. Like, I'm never going to become that person. Well, lockdown came and fucked me in the ass. <laughs> I think it did for all of us, mate. So I'm not going to judge anyone who does that. Well. On that note, uh, moving swiftly on, we've got quite a uh, packed show for you uh, uh, today. So we're going to be looking at albums from uh, Ectomorph and Nervosa. And uh, this week's uh, slated but celebrated comes from the self-titled Suicide Silence album. Um, but before we get to that, give me the headlines, Barney. What's been happening in the news? Ooh, right. So unless you've been living under a rock, uh, for those who are listening to uh, listening to our show, you might uh, remember that uh, one John Schaffer, the guitarist of a band called Iced Earth, um, got in a little bit of trouble for being part of the riots involving the Capitol building. And now apparently it seems that that's come back to bite him in the arse because apparently I've got something here from Melt Sucks, Iced Earth removed from Century Media. So now both Eisterf and John Schaffer's other projects, Demons and Wizards, are apparently no longer listed on the Century Media Artists website. So it seems like his p- political views have got him in a little bit of hot water with his label. So that is going to be interesting to see what is going to happen with his band and with indeed from indeed himself from now here on out. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of a sad thing to see, especially when one member's actions affect the entire band's uh, career you know i mean it's kind of i mean it's quite a bad comparison to bring up but it's kind of the equivalent of you know the whole lost profit scenario where there's one yeah. member that's clearly doing terrible terrible things but yet all the other members because they have that association with him they're kind of dragged down into the mud yeah uh, exactly right as well you know 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, there's like one person's actions uh, sadly has a quite a devastating effect on uh, a lot of the people uh, that surround them. Um, I mean, it's a shame because, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I, I can't strictly say I was an Iced Earth, Iced Earth fan, but uh, it is a bit of a shame when you see all these, you know, these innocent people that just want to make music. Uh, yeah, do it. They love They get dragged through the mud because of some uh, fuckheads' actions. The political basically. views, exactly. Just the political views of one member, therefore, has to have like an effect on like the entire uh, group of individuals that, let's be honest, have their own minds and they can decide politically or they want to whatever way they want to swing you know i mean it's it's a shame but um yeah i mean i don't think uh in terms of the the disciplinaries against that said member i mean i, I hope that you know the full weight of the law is fucking smashed on yeah his head for... well f- funny you mentioned that Stephen. i've got the list of the charges that Schaffer is going to face um here and it's apparently six charges so the first one is knowingly entering and remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority. Obviously, the Capitol building yeah. is a government-owned building, so that makes mm-hmm. sense. Disrupting the orderly conduct of government business. That's pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Knowingly engages in an act of physical violence against any person or property in, in any restricted, restricted building or grounds. Violent entry and disorderly conduct in a Capitol building. Engage in an act of physical violence in a Capitol building and parade, demonstrate, or picket in a Capitol building. So, in other words, he's fucked. A lot of laws against Capitol buildings. Like, that is wildly specific, isn't it? Like, fuck. This is just all called Capitol building charges. But yeah, to put it that way, like, he's probably going to go away for a long time if he does get convicted of these charges. And it's all because of he decided it's a good idea to. pick it fucking some government business mm. i mean uh, again uh, i i sincerely hope that the full weight of those charges does get put upon him i mean i i, I said to you in a, um i can't remember if it was recording at the time but i mean i said to you that that would kind of be i mean if if christoph for example in this country broke into number 10 downing street and took a shit in one of the toilets can I, I would fully ex- as well. you can do that but I would fully expect the the full weight of the law to be uh, cast upon you. But uh, you know, regardless if you're a bandmate or a friend or whatever, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't expect anything less in terms of uh, the, the 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 charges that you've listed. But it is a shame, as I say, that that does affect Ice Earth as a whole because you know not all of the ba- band members are going to politically swing the way that he does you know so it's it's uh it's a shame but what can you do i mean if you've got that association then um yeah it's gonna, exactly it's gonna I'm leave a stain you've got a question why he did it knowing there's gonna be repercussions i'm like, sure they're not big metallica fucking every motherfucker knows your face sort of band but at the same time like if you have a following if you have a math like people are gonna recognize you how he walked into that thinking that no one or none of these cameras and not a single person's going to go, I know who that is. Yeah. Maybe he thought he could get away with it. (laughs) But you knew that as soon as cameras, someone goes, oh, who's this person? All right, cool. Like, there was no way you're going to walk into the Capitol building and out and not a single person go, I know who that is. 
Yeah. Maybe because he's all, no like, since the average age of the Eister fan no. is probably like 55, he probably thought, oh, no young people are going to recognize me because they don't <laughs> listen to my band. <laughs> well, well, all no, these fucking things that are fans, like pointing at me. What are these like things that are like flashing at me? He doesn't realize they're cameras that are sort of, you know, got facial recognition and they can kind of dis- distinguish who you are. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a shame. I, I feel for the other members of, of Eisterf, but at the same time, I sincerely hope that, uh, you know, those he uh, he charges. Was, he knew what he was walking into. So, as you said, yeah. he'd... shall I move on to some more cheerful news? I was going to say, on. On, like on a similar subject, how does everyone feel about the fact that, again, slightly tainting a band, but more on intelligence front, the old Stephen Carpenter from Deftones recently came out as a flat earther? Like, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention really that. Really <laughs> about the fact that the Earth is flat. Like, you get political stupidity uh, and like that. Like, I sort oh. of just brushed over it. Where I was just like, oh well, I don't know why this doesn't surprise me, even though it should. But oh well, <laughs> he yeah, says some bad is... shit, insane stuff just to get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean the thing is, is that with um, Steph Carpenter, I mean he's clearly like you know. He's in Deftones, for fuck's sake. So he's a very, very intelligent, forward-thinking musician. Um, but sometimes when these highly regarded musicians start to sometimes let, uh, put a bit of themselves out of their... Uh, put a bit of themselves out in this kind of uh, media, you know, they, they kind of push... Not push, but they kind of get a bit of an insight into the uh, their thought process and their political beliefs, them as a person um whether that be again from politics to uh, uh conspiracy theories to you name it anything the favorite fucking yeah. pasta or food whoever um i don't it it's hard because i you know i mean i i think we can we can all agree that we're we're pretty uh certain that the earth is round I mean, I trust the scientist of this planet absolutely. So that's, yeah. that's all I need I to un- say on that. I understand how time zones work, so they completely yeah. nullify the idea of the Earth being flat. Like, yeah, yeah. Having, yeah. having spoken to like airline pilots and like people who flew on Concorde, and they said you could see the curvature of the Earth out the windows. Like, I'm not denying that at all. So, no. yeah. I mean, again, I mean, f- fair enough. If he, if that's what he wants to believe, I mean, my argument to that would be like, you know, if someone was dissing on Deftones because they said, "Oh, Deftones are shit because their guitar player thinks the Earth is flat," I'd just be like, "Well, you can feel that way. Fair enough. That you're entitled to feel that way." But th- my argument to that, my counterpoint would be, "All right, well, he thinks the Earth is flat, but he wrote the riff to Digital Bath, so he's forgiven." Touche. Uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh yeah uh, i've got a bit of um bit of uh news uh just to jump in on the news front this might so, be what i was get, this might be what i was going to mention but i'll let you go first uh, to see know, if i don't know if it will be i don't know uh, if okay will be, but, we'll find out but we'll see i'm excited so um there is you know there's, there's quite a few well, when it comes to uh tribute bands in the uk don't know if it's oh, where you were going. Okay. Okay. So uh, there is a tribute band uh, to the Seattle Legends Pearl Jam. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. So um, I mean, we all kind of get the gist with with these tribute bands. They've all got like these funny kind of little uh, elbow in the ribs names, like Not Slip 
for Slipknot. Yeah. And um, a perfect circle for a tall tribute band, if that makes sense. Who um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But anyway, they've all got the kind of little jib in the elbow, a jib in the ribs to say, you know, yeah, it's a little t- play on words, but we, you know, we as musicians love we all have a joint love for this band and we want to kind of do a tribute act, you know, to, to whatever band you want. Um, so there's a, a UK based Pearl Jam tribute act and um, they have been approached by the lawyers of the members of the actual Pearl Jam. Now let's not forget Pearl Jam being a worldwide multi-platinum selling album from like, a band from seattle you know i mean <sighs> pill jam of you know quite a renowned huge band i mean I'm, it's, I, I don't really know whatever way to uh, put it you know they're a huge band and anyway uh their lawyers got in touch with um this tiny little uk-based tribute band um over a dispute about their name would you believe yeah. so um as far as I'm aware, the the UK tribute based band, they they had like, I think they were called Pearl Jam. Like they had like extra letters on the name. Yeah, I think it was I think it was like an extra N or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like they they basically um, just made it longer. Um, and uh, the members of Pearl Jam sought to uh, issue a cease and desist letter <laughs> to this. Uh, <laughs> This tiny, I think they only had like I don't know how many followers they had. I mean, they couldn't have had many, like maybe 500, 1,000, whoever. I say yeah, this now, they thousand have like thousands. Followers. Yeah, so they have like pretty and they're doing like, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I personally, I mean, I this is all news to me because I mean, I'm not surprised that there wasn't a tribute band in the UK for Pearl Jam, but um, you know, I mean, uh, like the fact that they had quite a strong following in the UK, fair enough. I mean, I, I I don't know if I speak for you two, but I love Pearl Jam. I thought I yeah. think Pearl Jam are great. Yeah, Ten I is, like Pearl Jam. Ten's an incredible album. Um, and I also quite like that last album they did last year, I think. I forgot what it's called. Galacticon or something. Um, mm. But anyway, yeah, so um, Pearl Jam's lawyers approached this uh, band and issued a cease and desist because of the name, because there were so many similarities that could be drawn. Um, and they've quite comedically called themselves now Legal Jam. which i think like fair play to you i mean if you're going to get a cease and desist because you're paying tribute to musicians that you love uh and that's kind of the way that they you know repay you is to do a uh you know send a legal document um you know why not fuck it i mean if anything i think that's a better name legal jam you know it's like one of Pearl Jam's points were they didn't want their fans to be disappointed when their fans turn up to a show to find out it's a tribute act. Like Pearl Jam, <laughs> who fucking have their own festival at Hyde Park, are concerned that you're going to go to your local pub that has a clientele of like 12 people. And they were like, oh, well, we don't want people to... But they were fully aware of this band for years and all of a sudden were like... You know what? Let's sue them. Let, let, yeah. Let's let's get to it. Like we know they've been there for years. We're fine with that. All of a sudden, they're like, "Ah, oh, it's time to take them down." Why? Like, well, yeah, but who in their right mind is going to think that the multi-platinum selling like, album band 
Oh, fancy going to watch that like multi-platinum selling album band that are at the fucking Feckler in Bristol? Like, yeah. no, they're not yeah. going to play a venue like that. Of course Lord they're not. Decided, fuck arena tours. We're going to play level three. Like, <laughs> for like an eighth of the price, you know? They're putting on this Hyde Park show where it costs you £75 to sit behind the stage, not backstage, like behind this. You can't even see the band because you are behind them. For 75 yeah. quid, all of a sudden people are going to get go, oh, wait, well, there's a bargain bucket because they're playing my local pub for £7. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing at the Phoenix in High Wycombe for pints of £3.30. Get in there. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was in the gym once, right? This is going back a few years. And oh. um, there was a guy that, was, that approached me and uh, he was saying, oh, you look like a punk rocker. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I do like my uh, my punk rock music. And then he was telling me, like, do you realize that, like, Guns N' Roses are going to play Swindon soon? And I was like, oh, are they? And he was like, yeah. And then he got his phone out and he started showing me, like, these, um, the posters for the show. And it was, uh, it was like a Guns N' Roses tribute band that were playing um, Level 3. But for anyone who doesn't know, Level 3 is Swindon's local kind of uh, uh, club where you get bands that come along. Uh, mainly, you know, tribute acts or whoever. Uh, but anyway... He, and he was showing me, like, yeah, we're getting, uh, we're getting Guns and Roses are coming here. We're getting Metallica coming here. Uh, we're getting Nirvana coming here. I was like, first of all, you realise that Nirvana aren't a band anymore. Uh, that's been a thing for like nearly thirty years. <laughs> uh, and then secondly, you realise that Guns and Roses and Metallica they aren't going to come to Swindon and play a four hundred capacity club anytime soon and he was like he was absolutely brainwashed into thinking nope 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 it's the real thing it's the real thing I was like okay fair he's, enough i'll see you there james hetfield's gonna come into the club and just go yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <So we're> <laughs> <done>. <laughs> yeah uh but i thought that was just kind of funny i mean um that's, that's personally right. i mean if if i was in a pearl pearl jam tribute act and you know you had a cease and desist I was kind of thinking that, you know, you could maybe rename it as a kind of attack on uh, on the... I mean, I, I was fully convinced that, you know, you, you could have argued that it could have been called Eddie Vedder's Maliciously Soaked Flannel Shirts, which would have been a, a good name. Um, but le Legal Jam's kind of a good, uh, sharp, like uh, punchy name. I yeah, like good, Legal Jam. I prefer it to that one. that one. And I like yeah. it because it's kind of like a really snarky, like, middle fingers to you guys. Like, you're not allowed to do this. Oh, well, fine, we're in a fucking legal jam because of you. Hey, that works. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I went, hang on, works. I think that's a good one there, mate. Yeah, I'm probably going to attract more fans because the fans are gone, I like what you did there. <laughs> Kudos. So Kudos. fine, we're, we're going to fucking butcher Jeremy and then tag you in it and say we're the real Pearl Jam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've got some flannel on my closet. I could go and fetch it. I'd like, yeah. I could totally pass as the bass player or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else you got in the news, Barnaby? Oh, guess which band is not so headstrong anymore. Oh. Apparently, trapped drummer Michael Smith has quit the band and has issued a statement. Saying that a lot right. of his views uh, he um, has noticed in the band are not aligning with his anymore, and he feels like he's gone onto a musical different path musically. And he said that he wishes all the best to his uh, bandmates, but it feels like it's time to move forward. I think basically what he's politely saying is he's uh, sick of Chris Taylor Brown's shit and he's fucked off. 
Well, the thing is, wasn't he? He left the band only a couple of months ago, didn't he? Or a few weeks? No, that ago? was a that was a hoax. That was something. That was uh, some fake news created by some people that were going to troll. So unfortunately, as much as I did believe it initially, Chris Taylor Brown is still entrapped. Uh, okay. Which is good news for our entertainment, but also that still means the world still has to deal with trapped. Yeah. Oh. Well, the thing is, is like I was. Um, I mean, I, I took that fake news as real, so I assumed that well, trapped are kind of now able to move on without having this narcissistic lunatic at the helm. But obviously, if he if he's still there, then yeah, of course, it's a given that the drummer's left, and it'll be a given when the guitar player leaves next week, and then the bass player the following week. You know, and then it's basically and then it's basically a solo project, and then he's going to write a really terrible album about how all his bandmates are bitches because they left him when he knows deep down they just got sick of his shit. Yeah, it's hard when you're in a band called like Trapped, where everyone just knows the singer, no one can tell you a different name of another member of the band you know and it's just always that that one song from their self title yeah. in 2002 it's just that's all they're gonna go down for really a really mediocre terrible song <laughs> isn't it ironic that like you're in a band called trapped and you're actually the the reality is you hate your singer and you want to be out but it's a source of income so you can't so you're kind of you are actually trapped <laughs> in a band called Trapped. <laughs> I never uh, thought of it like that. Oh, they they could do an Alanis Morissette cover of fucking, isn't it ironic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, power to Trapped. I mean, I, I uh, sincerely hope that, uh, you know, they continue to embarrass them. Well, the singer continues to embarrass himself further. Because uh, I think that they've gotten to a point now, especially on social media, where no one can take them seriously whatsoever. Oh, know, they're like, just getting trolled left, right and centre. I, I, I used to follow Trump question. of alternative music. Mm, exactly. I mean, it won't be long before they're getting a fucking ban on Twitter and social medias as well. You know? Maybe, we, should them promote a, their maybe we have a Twitter account, don't we? We do, yes. If Trump have a Twitter account, we should mention them in the post and see how they react. They're probably <laughs> going to go on some like tirade or something like that, claiming how we're like small, we're haters and we're small and we're like pussies or whatever. <laughs> oh, fucking I Chris Taylor it. Brown going after three shit cunts from Swindon and London, one of whom lives on a boat. <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't know if I'd want to even be associated with them, even if it meant more publicity. I just don't think I'd want to have that fucking lunatic all over the fucking uh, all over the RIP socials. Speaking of which, you can like all of our socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, YouTube, wherever you take your fancy. Sound anyway, bad. back to the show. Um. Yeah, is that what we got? Is that all of it for news this week, or is I there anything think, else? I think, in terms of the news, that is the lot, actually. That's some uh, juicy content. Well, we oh, unless you thought of something. Well, we, we have missed quite a crucial bit of news that we should have started off with, really, but I think the idea of speaking about Trapped overcome it. But um, So, following on from um, episode one, believe it or not, we uh, we were actually discussing the, the logistics of festivals because. If anyone that doesn't know, uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. So, um, you know, uh, unless we you're living in, look- unless you're living in New Zealand, in that case, glad you're back to normal. Good on you. Is it all right in New Zealand now? Is it? Yeah. Back to the back to the show. Um, yeah. So me and Barnaby, we were having a discussion about the logistics of uh, live events and, uh, you know, festivals for the the uh, the coming months and um you know we were we we kind of floated the idea that 
well, it wasn't an idea of ours necessarily. It was an article that we had come across where a lot of these spokespeople for festivals who were liaising with the government had to make their decisions quite early on this year in regards to whether or not they could realistically go ahead. Um, and obviously two weeks ago, that was two weeks ago, and here we are today, um, where, you know, unsurprisingly, uh, Glastonbury Festival has been cancelled uh, as a result of COVID. Um which you can only assume means that that is kind of going to be the uh, the same result for a lot of festivals, including Bloodstock, uh, Download Festival, Leeds, um, Leeds, Reading. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that we're now a matter of you know days, weeks away from those guys putting up you know uh, announcements about sadly the um, uh, the not going ahead this year. Um, I mean, uh, I mean, Christoph obviously wasn't on episode one. So, I mean, what are your kind of thoughts in terms of live events in general? Do you, can you see them coming back or like any times this year or where do I you kind of see this year? I feel like with everything back and forth in like, you think a year ago when this all started, we were all like, if we stay inside, we can go to festivals this summer. And then summer came around and we couldn't meet more than six people. And then we could meet 12 people and then we got locked down again. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, I don't think so. And it sucks because like, I got tickets to see, probably going to hate on this, but I got tickets to see Funeral for a Friend in April. Oh, like a year, a year ago, you know? So I was like, great, Funeral for a Friend, performing their first yeah. three albums. Couldn't be more fucking happy if I tried. Bang. Yeah. But now I'm like, well, it's the end of January and I can't leave my house. Yeah. You know, like. I don't think it's going to get fixed in time because even they've said with all of these vaccines and stuff, I just don't think, even if they roll them out and we all get microchips, so Bill Gates can watch us sit doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about control, man. Yeah, dude. Like, Bill Gates wants to watch me read a book to my cat and tell my fucking, like, fuck off when I trip over it for the third time. Yeah, like, but yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I booked a ticket last year for a gig in Ireland in December. And honestly, like the only optimism I have is like, that is still almost a year away. Yeah. Was that Heelong? Heelong? Yeah. 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 Highland. Yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, I booked to see them in December, but that's like 21st. So it's literally winter solstice. Um, Yeah. And the only reason I have any hope with that is because we're slightly better and that's still like 11 and a half months away. Yeah, yeah, but me, yeah. Uh, me and Bart. Yeah, sorry, mate. Go on. Yeah, I'd kill for a festival. You know, like yeah. last year, upgraded my ticket for Bloodstock so that we had VIP because I didn't have to pay for a ticket because I rolled it over. And yeah. now I'm like, well, the thing is, bands aren't all of a sudden going to scramble together and go shit. Yeah, we can make it over there, and we've got the expendable cash to justify. Like, yeah. And the problem is, I'm I'm worried for like small festivals. So they're going to die, you know, like 2,000 trees, things like that. Yeah. Um, because you just can't keep not providing a service and still exist, even yeah, though it's yeah. not your fault in any way. Yeah. I mean, it, it, um, especially from like all these independently run festivals, like you say, 2,000 trees, Arc Tangent. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it's kind of okay to a degree with um, these corporately run festivals like Download yeah, and Ready Leads. Boomtown, like, they're going to be fine. 
Yeah, I mean, they've got the the kind of backing from all these huge, huge organizations, you know, whereas these people that put their necks on the line every year and just hope that they can make a success of it, like you say, 2000 Trees Arc Tangent, fucking blood, Bloodstock to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, um, Bloodstock were clear about the fact that, you know, if everyone refunded their tickets, Bloodstock would go under. Last yeah. year. You know, they put it not in, not in a beggy way, but they just explained, like, a logistics you know, kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they put it out of their pocket. It's not massive. Fourteen thousand people sounds like a lot until you realise that like Boomtown and Reading and Download, that's a hundred thousand. Yeah. An entire city that's like a city. You know? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because yeah. episode one, if you remember Barnaby, I mean we were kind of hopeful that uh although we were kind of convinced that this was inevitable, we were we were optimistic about the latter end of the yeah. year. So yeah, kind of like, like anything, like I think yeah. for Christoph, you're thinking September will likely, that has a bigger chance of being okay. And I think I've also got tickets to go see Diaris murder in December as well. I'm more optimistic about that happening than I am about anything like bloodstock or download. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it, it's hard to tell because we're, we're in a position right now where, you know, you, you really can't, yeah. make an assumption about what's going to happen because anything could happen you know we, we, we don't know uh especially with the recent news about you know new strains of coronavirus and you know whether or not the vaccine is going to be as effective as it will be against the existing strain and new strains we just don't know so at the moment it's just a guessing game um and for everybody also- it's also other countries you know it's all well and good for england to go Oh hey man, yeah, we're gonna fucking put on festivals. Everyone come over here. Mm. But then you got Behemoth, you know, Poland could go, nah, we're having a fucking national. No one leaves, no one comes in. Unleashed yeah. Archers, Canada, you know, like even yeah. if we say we can put on a festival, it's still every other country, whether the bands not only can afford to come over, but whether their countries, whether the governing bodies go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on, you know, we'll let you leave. Like Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a nightmare it's... for everyone, and I can't. I'd love to. I gave up. I sacrificed. The now the year before last for a wedding. Last year was hyped to go to a festival. Mm-hmm. This year was double hyped to go to a festival, and like this year, I'm like it's it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, chance. Yeah, this is it, man. I mean, it's sorry if we're bumming everybody out, but I mean. Uh, if like us you you know you live for music and you and you adore going to festivals you realize how much uh festivals mean to you you know i mean it's like for me personally i mean i i wouldn't have met my partner i wouldn't have met you guys i mean yeah, yeah. i wouldn't have met either of you guys without festivals. Yeah, right yeah, exactly um you know festivals mean so much and uh it is absolutely devastating to know that they are not just being cancelled left right and center but potentially having long lasting effects on the future of them once we're out of the shit show is um is horrible so we can only hope that and remain optimistic that um if not this year that, that they can make some form of a comeback uh, in 2022 but yeah. uh I mean, we'll, if we'll it does see. if it does get cancelled uh, this year worst case scenario which i think is the most realistic sense i'm going to keep my ticket for next year yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not, yeah. not going to put that burden on them because they're going to need all the money they can. So I'm going to make sure I'm committed to showing yeah. up in 2022 if it doesn't happen this year, of course. 
Why and let's face it, we've got fuck all else to spend our money on. Like, give me that <laughs> exactly. money back. <laughs> you give me that money back, it's going to get spent on Lily Cider, but it would get spent on the <laughs> anyway. <laughs> exactly that. So here's to um, 2022 and um, a reluctant 2021, latter end of 2021 anyway. Um, shall we move on to some reviews, fellas? Is that Yes, there? lads. Let's do it. Yeah? All right. Well. In that case, uh, I think we should kick off by uh, looking into a band called uh, Ectomorph with their uh, new album, Reborn, which can is you believe, Can new... you believe it? It's their 15th studio album. Is it really 15 records? 15th oh, studio album, and they've only been around since 1996. Mate, that is mad. Oh, 1994, sorry. 1994. Wow. <laughs> Mate, I was fully... I, I did not know that. I'm glad you brought that up, because as far as I was... Um, concerned with this band i i was under the impression they were quite a fairly new thrashy band but i wasn't i didn't know that they were a lot around that long um that's great uh well anyway uh as i say i mean this is um you say the 16th album barnaby is that right uh 15th 15th, 15th album. album okay so the the 15th studio album uh from the thrashy hungarian titans uh this is actually a follow-up to their 2018 record fury um Again, not a band that I was familiar with until Barney brought it to us. So uh, did you want to kick us off with this one, Barnaby? I mean, what was your relationship with the band prior to this release? I discovered them by sheer accident. Uh, I think it was about three to four years ago, just scrolling through YouTube, looking for new music. And then I came across and I heard one of their tracks off of their um, album called Aggressor. Okay. And I was like, "Ooh, this is like, it's got some groove to it. This is heavy. It's sort of like a Soulfly-ish kind of sound. And I got hooked instantly. And the yeah. next thing you know, like a year later, I was booking tickets to go see them live when they were supporting Il Nino on the um, Revolution, Revolution, Revolution anniversary tour. And then got to meet several members of the band. Uh, and I was like, dude, these guys are sick. I'm going to get into them. And then nice. obviously Fury came out and I got into them some more. And then uh, when the news dropped that they were going to release another album, I was like, well, I'm going to keep my eye out for this one. And then mm. I heard the first track single, which was Reborn. And then I instantly just fell in love with it. I was like, this might be my album of the year okay and uh, what about you uh sorry mate um just before we crack on with the music itself i mean what was your uh relationship with the band i mean did, did you were you aware of them prior to this I, uh, you know I hadn't ever heard of them until maybe like three hours ago when <laughs> i went on my I went on my fantastic government mandated wonder yeah, um yeah. and yeah i thought i'd make some time for their album um yeah it was it was dope i assume they were polish they sounded yeah very very much like nurgle in places mm. um yeah i dug them i preferred nervos what was the other band i can't even pronounce it properly. oh nervosa yeah nervosa. it was nervosa. yeah uh, i'm i was much more hooked on them but yeah it was good okay. nice and heavy and chunky yeah you see uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll crack on with nervosa in a bit but uh, staying on with um, Ectomorph, I mean, I'll be honest, Ectomorph isn't quite a name that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's not, no. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this was my first introduction to this band. I mean, I, I hadn't have heard of them until Barnaby uh, brought them to the table. But um, I mean, initially, you know, you, you can put on any one of their albums and the immediate thing that you think of is you know that that great gritty max cavalier style blunt force trauma mixed with 
and Justice for All type Metallica sort of seasoned all over the fucking place. You know, it's like there was um, a track. I believe it was. I don't know what track number it was, but it was the title track on the the album um, Reborn. Yeah, as they call it. Um, which I thought was just kind of like the perfect representation of like, uh, of, as I say, that, that, that kind of Max Cavalier style blunt force fucking riffs all over the place, uh, with that Metallica-esque Master of Puppets, uh, sort of symphony all over the place. Cause, uh, it starts off reborn with this really, really like thrashy riff, um, that chugs along until you get to like this sweeping guitar section that really wouldn't feel out of place on like a master of puppets or an injustice for all. Yeah. Um, like, do you know what I mean? So uh, like uh, what, what, as soon as you put it on immediately, there's like that. You, you can't, you can't, you know, you, you can't sort of, uh, think of anything else if I'm honest, like when it comes to, uh, anything the Cavalier or brothers do, there's just that immediate kind of punchy, um attack to your yeah. senses <laughs> yeah and then it does just get to this point where it kind of stops and it slows down and there's again like this really sweeping guitar melodies all over the top of it um which again yeah it really is kind of like that uh in the vein of that whole metallica early days metallica style of uh of riffing you know um it's kind of like the band have found like this perfect meld between that hard gritty edge and and then there's like those sweeping melancholic guitars yeah um i mean you're a guitar player barnaby i mean did you like as soon as you heard this i'm assuming that you were just like in straight away yeah it was like this is basically thrash but tuned down using eight string guitars and it was that perfect yeah. mixture of like really thrashy riffy sort of like brilliant tech brilliant technical um prominence and then it goes to the sweeping clean parts was like this wouldn't feel out of place on master of puppets or injustice yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah, not Unjustice, since you can actually hear the bass on this album. So maybe Master yeah. Puppets instead. Which tune was that? Like the halfway point? Yeah, I know the one you like, made. It kept catching me. And that was like, I enjoyed the album, but that in particular, you know, when you listen to something, you're like, oh, there's like a relief to this. Yeah. And like, yeah. it starts out and it builds up. And you're like, yeah. And then it gets, and then it gets clean and wavy. And like, it was fucking beautiful, man. I think I listened to it like two or three times back to back because it's got like that very classical competition composition of lots of like rise and fall and mm. it shows that they can chug and they can rip, but they can also write this beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, I feel I, I think like that's like um, that. I can mix between was, the two. It was nice. It's and it's weirdly unexpected because some bands like they use something like that to transition between like here's one of our sounds here's another it was just like a relief track in the middle of an album and it fucking yeah. slapped so hard um, i i, I couldn't Ooh. agree more mate i mean i think the track that you're talking about is it's either forsaken i believe it's forsaken which is like a the, the instrumental that you were mentioning yeah oh that was beautiful um yeah it's it's it's, it's amazing and I, I like the there's like a variety between tracks because some of them are just all outrageous um smashing the past particularly i mean uh that being one of them it made me want to sort of break into my uh emergency supply of fucking stellar and redecorate my bedroom walls with my fists like as soon as, <laughs> as soon as i had that one on i was like right that's it where's my stellar and i was like this is incredible i fucking 
it really reminded me of the reason I love thrash music so much, just because like you put it on and you just want to you want to rage, you know, you just want to pump your fist and drink beer and just like be in that mentality. I lo- loved it. Yeah, well, thrash um, metal's like thrash metal's like getting knifed in the face constantly. I said how in the last episode when we were reviewing Ingested DP, I was like, death hammer, death metal's a sledgehammer to the face. Well, yeah, thrash metal's a knife to the face. It's not as uh, ferocious, but it's faster. Well, that's what, which I makes mean, up for it. Yeah, I mean the thing is with with thrash is uh, it's it's the speed element to it. I think that for me personally that attracts me to it so much is because like you know the, the whole sense of thrash metal is because you know, you, you want to listen to something fast and you want to have that adrenaline rush when you hear yeah. like, it's like with Slayer, you know, you listen to Slayer and they were just so much faster than any of the big four or anyone like that. You know, you, you put like Raining Blood on in comparison to, you know, a Metallica or a Megadeth or a Amphrax. It's yeah, just exactly. so much more darker and faster. And, you know, that that's kind of what attracts me to Thrash Metal in particular, just because like, you know, it's just the, the 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 adrenaline you get from listening to a thrash metal album um you know it's it's just great i mean i i you know this in particular uh that really kind of tapped into that adrenaline rush when you first hear a, a slayer record or like a yeah. really really fast punchy thrash metal album you know it took me back to listening to those albums for sure um I mean, there's not really much else that I can add to this other than the fact that it really is just like the perfect meld of uh, of the kind of Soulfly, Sepultura-esque riffs that the Cavalier brothers do, really just mixed with that uh, epic old-school Metallica riffing that you would get on Master of Puppets or Justice for All, you know? It's just, it's just great from um, start to finish. I really couldn't find a fault with this. Yeah, um, I'm going to be in much the same camp. I think this might be a contender for album of the year for me. Mm, definitely bring, is. Uh, that highly and so I mean, if they if they if any of the guys in ectomorph end up discovering this somehow you guys did a banger of a job thank you so much absolutely it was hilarious christoph because like as we um were sending this album around so i hadn't even pressed play on the record yet yeah. barnaby was like i'm halfway through and i've just ordered a t-shirt and the vinyl <laughs> <laughs> oh i love you buddy I fucking yeah. love the for you. I know. It was just like, oh, so it must be good then. It was like, have you listened to all of it yet? It was like, no, but I've ordered the vinyl and the t-shirt. I was like, and oh, I had to okay, listen to five of the songs to go. I had to listen to five songs to go. Yeah, this one's a banger. I'm supporting these guys. <laughs> so I hope it doesn't turn shit on like track eight until you've got to it because you've already spent money on vinyls and shirts and what have you. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't worry. It's not. It's not Davy Suicide. So I knew this was going to be quality <laughs> and not garbage. <laughs> Uh, mate, we reviewed that record for a purpose. We will reveal that to people at some point. Yeah, uh, the world needs to know what, what we think of Davy Suicide. Yeah, I, I very much agree. Um, well, again, that is uh, Ectomorph with Reborn on Napalm Records. It's out now. Okay. From a band called Neversa with uh, their album called Perpetual Chaos. Uh, this is again on uh, Napalm Records, and uh, the Brazilian Freshers are back with a new record following a pretty huge lineup change. Uh, with all members from the band, from the exception of original guitarist Prakika Amaral, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Prika, Prika Amaral, that's an unfortunate name, uh, being, <laughs> being the uh, the only remaining original member of the band. Um, 
again, did any of you guys have a previous relationship with this band, or was this more of I a, a new? To, I listened to bits of them when they were a three-piece, and I did quite enjoy a few of their songs. I wasn't like a massive fan or anything like that, but they were definitely a band I could listen to and go, "Yep, yeah, that's a thrash metal band I can get down to." Yeah, uh, I mean, for me personally, this was this was a new. Um... This was a, again a new band for me. I hadn't have actually heard of them until uh, until listening to this. So how about you, Christoph? Was this the first time listen? Yeah, I listened to them like twice yesterday and then again today. Like yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, as I say, that they're a Brazilian-based thrash metal band um, that have had quite a. When you look at the the last few years, I mean, the work ethic's pretty insane. So. Just to give a bit of a backstory, um, so the band released uh, an album back in 2018 called The Downfall of Mankind, or just A Downfall of Mankind. Um, the band had a, a completely revitalized lineup since, uh, and have recorded, obviously, a, a new album's worth of material in the space of two years, basically, whilst there's been a global pandemic. Um, so one would think some form of touring was also done off the back of their 2018 efforts. So for them to come back at the very beginning of 2021 with a new record, it's pretty impressive yeah. um, based on the circumstances for this band. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I'll, I'll open it up. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's immediately apparent to me that despite the new lineup, the band have very much picked up from where they left off uh, from a creative standpoint. Um, an opening track, I believe it's called Venomous, um, it very eagerly chucks you right into the eye of the storm, yeah. kind of showing oh, it's, you. What... It's, it's no messing yeah. about. It's just straight boom. You're in there. Like that's yeah, exactly. What I, yeah, that's cause... what I'm talking about. Instantly thinking it just doesn't mess around. There's no subtle build up. It's just in your face. Yes, exactly. So I mean, when you listen to uh, you know previous releases like Downfall of Mankind, that they do that that whole uh, in intro, like you know this dark kind of. Uh, melancholic intro before it eventually hits you in the face um whereas this it was no fucking about i mean it opens with venomous which uh again very eagerly just chucks you in the eye of the storm uh it really demonstrates from the get-go what each new member brings to the fold um new singer i believe it's dika santinaka uh again i do apologize for not pronouncing that correctly um she seems immediately intent on showing you that she's capable, if not more, uh, to fill the shoes of the previous vocalist, uh, Fanida Lira, which again, apologies of not pronouncing it right. Um, so they again, like a female fronted, thrashy, extreme metal side of things band. Uh, a lazy comparison would be Arch Enemy, but then again, any kind of female fronted extreme bands are going to have that tag uh, that comes with it, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> when you think of female fronted extreme metal bands, I mean, I think Arch Enemy tend to be the ones everyone points to a lot of the time because, you know, they seem to be the ones that were in the mainstream and like the ones that were in the eye of the media. Um, whereas now, you, I mean, you could rattle off countless bands that have female fronted singers that are, you know, in the extreme metal side of things. Venom Prison, for example. And, yeah, that's and, a good one. And, you know, Employed to Serve. I mean, incredible, incredible bands. Um but what did you two think of this uh, opening yeah. up? Do you want to go first, Barney? Yeah, I might as well continue the tradition. 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it was definitely, I noticed the production sounded a bit more old school uh, than the previous releases, which I quite enjoyed. It was sort of like a harking back to the thrash classics of the 1980s. And I dug the guitar work. The new vocalist is really good. And I just loved how it was just no compromise thrash all the way. And I can understand, like, for some people that might get a bit tiring, but I think all of most of us being dedicated thrash fans, for me, it was just like, yeah, this is definitely what I want. 100%. I think, like, so when I listened to them, they were the first band in forever that, well, probably actually since Unleashed the Archers, which ironically is another woman fronted band, not on the same spectrum of metal, but. They're, yeah, they're like, amazing. These though. are fucking incredible. And they almost sound like the love child of like Slayer and Once Human, you know, like <laughs> vocally, she has a very similar sort of strength and gnarliness. Yeah, they were mm. so, so fucking good. I mean, I've listened to the, the other albums, Suicide Silence, I kind of forgot to listen to. The other <laughs> album I listened to like once. I've listened to it more than the AFI release <laughs> like <laughs> afi are one of my favorite bands so it says a lot you know like yeah you know, i listened oh, to it like yeah. twice consecutively yesterday and then today as soon as i was like done with my shit i was like right that's going back on like i've done my obligations and mm. yeah <laughs> it's drawn I like how it, we yeah. i like how we mentioned the comparison between with them and what with nervosa and once human it'd be funny if they were in on the joke and started walking out of stage and just went hey logan <laughs> 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 if they were just in on the whole Hey Logan joke. That would be fucking Or they have like a dreadlocked bassist or guitarist that's not allowed to wear a t shirt. Yeah. He's oh, like, yeah. Well, one track of fucking yeah. Randy Bobandy. <laughs> hey Logan, are you are you wearing a shirt? Yeah. Are you okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, just one quick thing I want to add about the Perpetual Chaos as well. I really like how they decided to pick the um, the frontman from Destruction, uh, Schmier, to guest on the song Genocidal Command. They could not have picked a better guest vocalist for that. I thought that was like one of the best tracks on the record. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm kind of disheartened now knowing that they've had a whole lineup change. Because I was like, oh, listening to them, like, I want to drill this album in, and then I'll backtrack afterwards. And now to know that like there's only one original member... It may be good, but it won't be the same kind of good. Well, this or... was going to be um, what I was going to mention, because, uh, I mean, I, I listened to uh, their previous albums just to see whether or not there was any kind of difference between this new record and obviously what they had done before, because I thought, well, they've in a way, they've got like an opportunity to sound different or go in a different direction if they've now got these new members that bring new stuff to the table. Um, and musically, not much has changed in terms of dynamics and sound. Like, if you was to compare this album to their previous effort, uh, Fall of Mankind, there really isn't much of a difference. Um, especially vocally. I mean, vocally to me, they do sound really. You, you, <laughs> you could almost say that it's the same singer, although it's not. They do sound very, very similar. Um, whether or not that's on purpose, I don't know. Um. But again, yeah, so in in terms of um, the dynamics and the sound of the album, it, it's very much a thrash band doing what thrash bands do. You know, I mean, yeah, there's not much uh, progression in terms of their sound and, and the direction they're going in. It's more they're keeping to the sound that they know and what they can do. And uh, they're just cracking on with it, which is fair enough. 
Um, I do like the more extreme style of vocals because they are prevalent throughout and it kind of gives more of a crossover appeal to those who are more interested in the extreme side of the genre. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, my attention does start to dwindle on this record um for my taste personally um you know i like it when bands pull a rabbit out of the hat or i like it when a band does a sharp turn like where the fuck did that come from yeah um and uh i mean to be honest that this can be summed up in like the first five tracks which for the most part they're very similar from one another uh, i mean again a fresh band doing what a fresh band does but um once that King Diamond-esque scream kicks in on track six, Gemicidal Command, I was like, oh, hello. This that's is a bit a, different. That's the guess, but that is Schmear for you. He's got you such know, a I, great vocal range. Yeah, I mean, what band is he in then? Is he... Uh, Destruction. Destruction, right, okay. Because, I mean, I, 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 did, I know it was a... Um, obviously, it was a featuring track uh, with Schmeel, if, I, if that's his name. Oh, Schmear. 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 Like a schmear test. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, as soon as I heard that sort of like um, that intro scream, that King Diamond esque scream, I was like, I was like a meerkat, mate. I sort of immediately was like, oh, hello. This is actually, uh, I've I've got something to pay attention to as in, as in comparison to the tracks before it, which were just very kind of uh, repetitive and just they were very, very similar from one another. Um, yeah, so I thought that was great, but I mean, it does eventually go back to that repetition of like, uh, you know, the, the death metal, not death metal, but thrash metal-y uh, style songs with with that, again, that extreme vocal metal approach. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I, my, my attention did dwindle. Um, I mean, repetition is something that can become pretty analog for a lot of bands. And uh, I kind of think that Naversa pretty uh, firmly sit in that kettle for me. Um, I mean, with a new lineup, they could have, it would have been a good opportunity for them to have gone in a different direction and do something outside their comfort zone, you know? Mm. Um, But at the same time, you could, you know, you can see why they kind of wanted to stick to that sound that they had in their previous records, just purely because, you know, uh i mean if you if you got a fan base you don't want to put that at jeopardy if you know not only if you had a lineup change to the extent that they did but yeah you know you, you then start changing your sound you then start to become a band that people didn't fall in love with initially so i get that i get that um but for me personally i do like it when uh bands do take risks you know i, I like it when a band that have accumulated a fan base for a specific type of sound then all of a sudden creatively think to themselves well we've done this and we you know we don't want to be a one-trick pony why don't we try something different and if it doesn't work out fine fair enough yeah exactly. um you know but uh you know you can just go back to whatever it is people loved you for in the first place but at the same time you could then do something completely different that stays true to yourself and not only keep the fans that you had accumulated up to that point, but gain new fans with the change in direction, you know? So in a way, it's just a way of bands to evolve and become bigger and better. And I, I kind of feel that as good as Nervosa are, um, you know, at, at the fresh metal thing, I would have liked to have seen some kind of 
progression or something different in comparison to their previous work. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I agree to that. Yeah, but I mean, regardless of what I say, I mean, uh, this is a great thrash metal records, you know. I mean, um, uh, uh, for my taste, I would just like to have it to have gone maybe a bit outside of their comfort zone. But uh, yeah, unless anybody's got anything else to add to that one, um, that is Nervoso with Perpetual Chaos uh, out now on Napalm Records. We're giving Napalm Records a lot of coverage this episode, aren't we? We certainly are. I mean, I think that a lot of bands on Napalm seem to be releasing records quite early on this year. I mean, uh, it. I think for our taste and this podcast anyway, I mean, uh, a lot of the records in our wheelhouse, so to speak, are coming out on Napalm this quite early on the start of this year. Okay. Um, all right, moving swiftly on. Uh, something that isn't thrash metal. So this will be, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this will be particularly Barney's cup of tea, but I can firmly say that from mine and Christoph's perspective, a band that we both love, uh, AFI, out of nowhere, drops <laughs> two brand new songs. Uh, this is the first new output they've put out since the Blood album. Is that right? Since the Missing Man. It's been three years. Three years. Okay. They tend to do like a three-year cycle with everything. Yeah. Um, normally that's an album, but they put out the Missing Man. It might have actually been two years ago. Okay. Um, or just touching on three now. See, I uh, mean, I I didn't even know that was a as much as I love the band. I didn't even know they had had uh, the Missing Man. I mean, is that an EP or is that a? Yeah, it's an EP, but it doesn't matter. Okay, because the last material that I had listened to of AFI was 2017 record, um, uh, the Blood album. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it, again, I mean, uh, the thing I love about AFI is that they, uh, I mean, for the people that know me, of, The opposite of Vermosa, in the way yeah. that not, not like no two albums are alike. You yeah. Know? exactly that it's hard as bands because you can compare the two in the way that one band you were were saying that their their thrash aspect could have done with more diversifying and that's why you picked holes in it a lot of people who are old school afi fans pick holes on the fact that as they grew up they try other things and it must be really really hard for a band to go well if we stay the same people are going to complain that we're samey if yeah. we try something different and it doesn't hit, people are going to complain that we didn't stay the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, this is what I love. The bands that do go against that repetition of like yeah. shitting out the same stuff over and over and over again. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> I don't think it's any coincidence that a band like Deftones took AFI out on the road quite regularly. Um, just true. because... Yeah. With a band like Deftones, they do not give a fuck if they lose fans, if they gain fans. They're, as artists, they're going to do whatever they want, regardless. You know, they don't care if it's not heavy enough. They don't care if it's Mm. too soft. They just don't care of what people think. They're going to do artistically what they want to do. And if people like it, great. If they don't, who needs them? And I kind of feel that AFI are very much in that in that wheelhouse where they're going to do whatever they want to do. And if they gain fans in the process, great. If they don't, then again, who needs them? 
I think the other thing with bands like that is they have a massive, both bands have a massive cult following. Mm. You know, like they, they, they have people who worship them. Like AFI, from the first time I heard them, I was like, the fuck is this? I'd listened to Misfits and they were cool. Yeah. But then you listen to AFI, like came into them around like the Total Immortal era. Mm. And it was like Misfits on steroids. And like, well, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, you know, and Deftones, but it and it's weird when you, I saw them on their Blood tour, Blood album tour. Yeah, and it's weird that, like you said, with Deftones and AFI being together, because mm. you have AFI, this like very strictly vegan, straight edge band who are like quite yeah. militant in their beliefs, on a co-headline tour with Deftones, who are like this overly horny. Loads of stoners, take loads of fucking drugs, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, Chino Marino eating a kebab backstage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking weird to see, like, watching them. Like, it's like you get two completely different gigs in one because the crowd just changes like that, you know. Mm. Like, yeah. you got this raw intensity and then, like, I can't really describe Deftone. Like, the intensity of a Deftone's crowd is just something else. Yeah, it's like it's being like, in Fight Club, you know. Yeah, like, like this is great because uh, I think you are you referring to the Alexandra Palace show. So yeah, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. A- AFI and and with Deftones headlining. Um, I didn't go sadly. I I couldn't uh, afford to go at the time, but um, you know, pe- people that did go. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've seen it at Deftones shows. I mean, Deftones for me. I'll put it out there. They're one of my favorite bands. I mean, bearing in mind, this isn't a Deftones review. We're talking about AFI, but yeah. just to put it into uh, context, um, AFI were opening for Deftones on a uh, a huge tour, and uh, they were playing the, I think it's like a 10,000 capacity venue in London, Alexandra Palace. And, um, you know, <laughs> so you have AFI that come on and do their thing, and for the most part, I feel that AFI are quite an underrated band, especially in this country where when you see them live and they tend to only have support slots or these slots at festivals where they're not they're quite mid build. They're not like quite high up. And uh, you kind of look around at the crowd and you think, well, why is like the crowd so sparse? Because this band deserve a lot more love than what they're getting right now. You know, I mean, that. They're such an. I feel like AFI are such an underrated band for this country, anyway, um, because they yeah. just don't seem send. They don't tend to get a lot of attention or a lot of love. They don't get much media coverage in Metal Hammer or Kerrang. Um, anyway, going back to uh, Deftones, so they were opening for Deftones, and you could see there was like a transition. So when AFI came on and did their thing, um, which was again incredible you oh, had good. deftones yeah you had deftones the deftones crowd kind of then pushed forward and uh before they came on you just kind of saw this waft of marijuana smoke just go up in the air <laughs> and you thought like right well they don't deftones don't really need an intro tape because it can basically just be the audience getting high on marijuana and then they just come on and they just do their thing and it was kind of like AFI have the the initial kind of like punchy pop punk songs. And then along comes Deftones to basically just put everyone in some kind of trance. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, was, do what Deftones do. 
it was fucking weird because like with AFI you had no one smoking and no one and it was just like raw intensity and they played a lot of like mm. shut your mouth open your eyes they played yeah. a lot of black sales you know so it was really raw punk intensity but there was no one smoking and then yeah like you said deftones it started like the lights change for the next mm -hmm. band to come on yeah and you have this smoke rising and everybody you're like hang on were these the same people who like an hour ago were like there wasn't like wasn't even like cigarette fumes in the air all of a sudden alexandra palace has been hotboxed <laughs> like made such a long set but like yeah. i remember being like quite in the thick of it and it was hilarious because stephen carpenter has this fucking fan next to him so certain songs when it gets all moody and wavy like this fan comes on to blow his hair in that like tragic l'oreal sort of thing and i remember <laughs> getting to a point where i was like well they should be wrapping it up by now but like yeah. and not and it's still going and they've still got like four or five bangers that i can count on one hand so mm -hmm. i'm gonna get out of like the thick of it and i'm gonna skin up somewhere you know i still i still smoke at this point i remember like vividly remember being like thinking to myself like i'm just gonna roll another fucking joint turning around to try and find an exit in Alexandra Palace to realize that like from front to back was just like this Mexican wave of people and you're like there's no point where there's not <laughs> you know yeah. like and in the end I turn around and some guy I remember some guy clocking me as if I had lost something he's like are you all right I'm like I want to roll a joint and all of a sudden like <laughs> him and his friends just like surround me like a gang and I'm like what the I'm going to get wrong. No, I'm not going to get <laughs> Let me roll a joint. Cool. <laughs> Providing cover for you. What fucking way? Yeah. And like, you think you're like, oh, well, I want to roll a joint. And all of these people are like, give me a weed. You're like, no, wait. Actually, these guys are like supporting me so I can roll a joint in the. Did you have someone come up to you and be like, do you need a hand table? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was incredible. Right? It was brilliant. Yeah. I didn't even have to roll it. The other guys were so enthusiastic. They did it amongst themselves. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. That's great. And yeah. then yeah, after that came the missing man, which is yeah. weird. But this new stuff, it's it's cool so far, you know. Yeah, yeah. Think, I mean, um, Bungs was like it was so good. Yeah, because uh, I remember talking to you about it, and, and when you said that it it did sound that there were elements of it that sounded a lot like Davy Havoc's uh, Black Audio. Yeah, Davy and Jade, the guitarist. Yeah, that's their when you said that i did go back and listen because i completely forgot that that was a thing um and i went back to them and and when i was listening i completely got what you what you meant because there were elements of that that you did bring to uh like you say twisted tongues um you know there was kind of like that really uh poppy-esque approach that they brought to their um, escape from los angeles especially and it's kind yeah. of sweet because I think where they're such a diverse band, I feel like with no two albums being the same, it's it's nice, you know. Like, yeah, um, Twisted Tongues was very much like December Underground Cross with the Blood album, you know. It had that yeah, artfulness. Yeah. It had a little bit of heavy grittiness, like not old school grit, but yeah. it was enough that you're like, yeah, this is cool. And then Escape from LA comes on, and there's just I think. There's so much synth in it. Yeah. But like they released, so Davy and Jade released Beneath the Black Palms, a new mm -hmm. black audio album, like 
the end of last summer. Yeah. And I feel like that should have been on there. Because even lyrically, it sounds a lot like Black Audio. Mm. They've like they've made Black Audio, they've made Extremist. Yeah. AV yeah. with no doubt has Dreamcast. So they have separate outputs for everything. Mm. To then bring something that sounds like an outside band to AFI, it was kind of weird. Yeah. You know. It- I would say that out of the two, Twisted Tongues was my favorite. Um, yeah, that's the I one mean, I enjoyed. The, that's the one I enjoyed the most as well. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what is uh, exactly? Yeah, whereas Twisted Tongues was uh, sorry, whereas Escape from Los Angeles was more towards that black audio style. Yeah. Um, but what what was your relationship with AFI Barnaby? I mean, had you listened to them at all? Or, I mean, what, what... I, mean, I used to date someone in sixth form who was a massive fan of AFI. Other than that, I really haven't yeah. known much about them. Uh, uh, and I wouldn't say they're my cup of tea per se, but I did enjoy the two. I did enjoy those two songs. So it's like, yeah, it's got some interesting vibes to it, and definitely some yeah. interesting um, musicianship. Let's say, and I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. Yeah, you should definitely go and listen to the art of drowning. And... Yeah. Black sales in the sunset, like black sales. If you don't like black sales, then we have to cancel our subscription to 2021's friendship. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I like it. Don't you worry, lad. I'm like, yeah. I'm the opposite NT on AFI. Like, I'm a complete trash boat who has a fucking my right leg is like an AFI tattoo sleeve. It's fucking See, tragic. This, this is why. <laughs> this is why I, I wanted Christoph to come on here because, uh, I mean, I. I my tastes like i mean i i love death metal and i love black metal. i love any kind of extreme shit you can think of uh but you know i equally love afi and and you know pop art and just that whole side of uh of music that i feel that if i have a chat about barnaby about afi you'd be like yeah, it's all right i used to date someone who used to like him there's not much of a, a counterpoint to my uh you know my love for yeah. him, if you know what I mean. So this is why I I brought Christoph on just so he could back me up on the background of AFI and uh, and why they're such a brilliant band. Um, sophisticated third wheel in this fucking podcast today. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, drinking his Strongbow Rose there. Like a third um, wheel with what they called the spinners that they used to put on uh, West Coast Customs. <laughs> oh, what the uh, the hubcaps that used to fucking spin around? Yeah. Oh, spinning ribs. Yeah. Oh, West Coast choppers <laughs> and West Coast customs. Oh, man, that brings back some memories. DJ Westwood. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, if if anyone's got anything else to add about AFI, I think we can uh, swiftly move on to um, to the next segment of the show. I think those singles they're releasing a new album. Which is... what's that, buddy? I think these singles, well, the singles, they're saying that they're releasing a new album. Yeah. Which is going to well, be out have... equally soon, which is quite nice. Fingers crossed, because um, based on Twisted Tongues, I would love to hear more yeah. of that, you know. Um, oh, yeah, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, all, all the love to AFI. And if, if they do have a record out this year, you can be damn sure that we will be uh, discussing it on this show. Um, okay, so uh, moving swiftly on to... Uh, our new segment of the show. This is the second edition of uh, Slated and Celebrated. Again, a segment of the show where we look at records that were absolutely shit panned at the time, but we go back to them just to see if they really were as bad as what the media made out to be or the press made out to be. Uh, and we, we gather if it is still a flop or if it is actually an, a misunderstood album. Um, 
so as everyone knows, we, we did uh, Machine Head's Catharsis last week, um, which, you know, if you've listened to the episode, me and Barnaby were, uh, I mean, we, we, we each agreed that Machine Head are basically, you know, both of one of our favorite bands. I mean, <laughs> we're very biased. I mean, uh, I'm pretty certain that Christoph's very much in the vein of, of a Machine Head fan. We, we were a fan of Catharsis. Metal band, so. What's like- that? They're my favorite metal band, so I definitely have. Oh, a... there we go. Oh, we're all three <laughs> <Yeah>. blasts. <laughs> I remember seeing them on on the album tour with you, Stephen, bumping into yeah. in in Camden when I hung out with some crackheads all day. Um, <laughs> like even the songs like Triple Beam, like on the album, they're cringy, and even now when I try and listen to it, it's cringy. But when you listen to it live, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, this is this is good. You know, it punches hard live, but. It's hard. Ah, uh, you see, you, you need to listen back to last week's episode where we talk about Catharsis because me and Barney have differing opinions on Triple Beam, especially because um, me personally, I think it's a banger live as well as studio. Um, I feel like a 50-year-old man with his wife and kids talking about when he used to sell speed and, oh, I used to weigh my drugs on a Triple Beam. Like, yeah, that's great, bud, but like... Yeah, there's nothing wrong. I don't know. It feels like there's a difference between reminiscing and there's a difference between like trying to take back your youth, you know, like there's a difference between going, oh, I used to love going to the club to being like a 50 year old man in the club. Like, you know, right, well, I think that's all, all I can say is where were you last week, mate? That's all I can say because that was machine head. Now, we're actually doing a record now. I should point out to everyone listening that Christoph hasn't listened to this record, but I'm 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 aware that I mean you are familiar with the band I'm machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so out of all the albums that we are going to do on this segment of the show, um, I think that this has got to be the one that has to be the most con that has the most sort of controversy behind it. Yeah, um, because. I mean, there's been albums from bands that have certainly had a detrimental effect to their career. So we've obviously just said Catharsis for Machine Head. I mean, you know, they've had... December Underground? uh, Yeah, I mean, that's another one. I mean, uh, with Machine Head, I mean, Catharsis isn't the only one. There's been The Burning Red. There's been Supercharger. Supercharger, You know, that have been detrimental to their careers. But I don't think it's been nowhere near to the extent of what we're about to talk about um i'm taking a pee break before we catch this <laughs> well seeing I'll, I'll continue with my monologue seeing as christoph hasn't actually heard this album anyway um but once considered the godfathers of deathcore we're going to be talking about suicide silence 2017 self-title record um now, just a bit of background. Um, so prior to this release, uh, the band, they were on a fucking steam train of a roll. So they had released an incredible comeback record off the back of losing uh, an amazing uh, frontman, Mitch Luca. Um, and I think You Can't Stop Me did an incredible job of cementing the fact that Suicide Silence were the only band worth bothering with when it came to deathcore, uh, certainly. Yeah, um, they were- the message that album that I got from that album was basically like, we're back. We're not going to be stopped. Big yeah. F you to anyone else, anyone who's going to get in our way. And I really enjoyed that album. 
Exactly. In the name, you can't stop me. I mean, yeah. is there any more of a uh, statement of intent than that when you bring back a, a like a comeback album after losing a, a quite fundamental person in your band? Um, so anyway, I mean, off the back of uh, "You Can't Stop Me," um, the live shows were incredible. Uh, new addition to the band, Eddie Hamida, proved that he was one hundred percent the right guy to fill the shoes of Mitch. Um, and then came the end of the touring cycle in, in late 2016. Um, so members of the band state uh, started to tease the follow-up uh, to "You Can't Stop Me," uh, claiming that the new album would uh, would contain mostly clean vocals and uh, a, a vocal style that the band largely avoided throughout their career. Yeah. Uh, Bassist Dan Kenny uh, and the drummer commented saying it's the first time Eddie has ever uh, confident. Sorry, let me rephrase. It's the first time Eddie has ever been confident enough to do it. But Eddie has always been a singer. Uh, there's a lot of singing in it. There's a lot of screaming in it. There's a lot of everything in it. There's melody in it. Uh, then along came Doris. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I tried right. to keep a straight face there, but I couldn't. Uh... Annoying. Along came Mary from Bloodhound Gang. I was thinking, what's that song? Um, a town called Malice. Ooh, yeah. was it, Along came Doris. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so it's got to add the little tee in there. Yeah, I forget the name of the band. Some shitty indie band. You'll probably be screaming at the uh, the, the Spotify app or whatever you're listening to this on anyway. But um, yeah, so along came Doris in the wake of those comments from the band members. So first impressions, Barnaby, what did you think of Doris? Uh, when it I mean, at the time, I absolutely hated it because it's like you go from listening to something like You Can't Stop Me. And then, of course, I'm not going to mention the stuff they did with Mitch. But you listen to the one, you listen to this where it's like, what the fuck is this? It was mm. just a complete mindfuck. And um, I mean, as we mentioned, the album was absolutely slated at the time uh, when it came out. So much so that some fans were demanding that they, um, the band pull the album from release. like So they just completely undo all the work they did. Yeah, that was absolutely mental. Yeah. That a band so... would get so much criticism and hatred because they decided to go a completely different path. Yes. So uh, as Barney said, so... Uh, in the wake of Doris, um, a petition was started, which fetched around about 5,000 signatures from uh, disgruntled uh, fans asking for the album not to be released. Um, now, the band rightfully paid no notice. And uh, on February 24th, 2017, uh, we have the fifth album by Suicide Silence, produced by legendary Ross Robinson. Yes. Um, now, the album in itself, uh, I mean, the whole point of this segment, as I should say, as I should re reiterate, is uh, it's called Slated uh, and Celebrated. So that's, again, just a deep dive on records that were universally shat on by press, fans, bands, you know, peers. Um, and we obviously look back on them. So just to um, cement the impact that this record had on all of those as a whole, 
I mean, I'm going to re read a few reviews off of some of the prevalent uh, uh, music outlets. So uh, we've got here a uh, a quote from uh, this is a Joe Smith of uh, Eagleheart. I don't know who that is, but apparently they're prevalent. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hard. <laughs> so just just to quote just to quote the the album's review at the time. Uh, the album has received mixed reviews. Um, this journalist in particular gave it a one out of ten review, comparing it to a garage band sloppily covering corn and deftones through a microphone they found in a dumpster. Um, rock sound were also critical. Um, so they quoted was the quote that they gave. Uh, they claimed that the band shed the very thing that made them great in the first place. And uh, very lastly, Metal Hammer, who found the band's decision bewildering, uh, quotations. Um, so as a whole, Barnaby, I mean, I would ask Christoph, but again, he I hope that he would go listen to it in the wake of this. But um, what, what was your what was your uh, initial feels towards the record once you had yeah. the, the whole track listing in front of you? What, what did yeah. you think? Uh, well, at the time, as I mentioned, I did uh, dislike this album quite strongly, and I'm just going to put this well, out there now. Like, you uh, just you dislike Doris, so you hadn't have heard the record. I, know, I heard other tracks off the record, but it was mostly Doris. But yeah. saying that, now that I've listened to the entire record, a lot of my gripes and criticisms are still justified. I'm not saying okay. that, that my opinion has changed at all. I'm still not a fan of this record. However, there have been some points which I've gone, okay, I can see the direction where they were going. And yeah. I think I just want to start off by mentioning, of course, they decided to work with Ross Robertson, who is famed for working with some of the most famous new metal bands out there. And I think he's, he's worked with Deftones, hasn't he? And amongst others. Um, yeah, I mean, as the, um, the critical responses to this record um, stated, I mean, uh, Ross Robinson, the, there's no discrediting him when it comes to the absolute classic discography of records that he's given us over the years i mean yeah. you know he's given us corn he's given us slipknot i mean you name it all the big all the big boys of uh of this genre that we listen to i mean there, there's no disputing that ross robinson has made a considerable uh impact uh when it comes to how those records sound and whether or not those bands would be as big as they are now without his input on those records yeah exactly yeah um so again i mean you, you said that obviously you were initially put off as soon as you heard doris yeah so once you got your teeth into the record itself um how did you feel so if we go through the track listing so i mean the record itself opens with doris and then we get on to a track called silence that was uh, one that definitely wasn't for me at all that was okay. one which I felt was all over the place. Didn't quite know what was going on. I mean, I'm coming. This is coming from just my taste, my standpoint. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. it's definitely not my thing. It's not my taste. So, okay. if anyone listening to this record, anyone listening to this podcast now does like the record, then that's absolutely fine. I'm not shitting on anyone who does like it. But yeah. as a whole, it just didn't float my boat at all. Okay. The track, the one track I did like actually that got me going was dying in a red room that was one which i when i listened to it, i thought i could see where the band was trying to go and i feel like this is one of the songs that executes that vision so much better than the rest of the record yes yes uh, okay um 
Now, uh, that's fair enough. Now, I'm kind of getting the impression that you were very much of the... Uh, you were very much a part of that kind of attitude towards suicide silence of, like, what the fuck have you done? You fucked it. You were... You were Initially, like, yes. Yeah, I mean, you were once, like, these absolute pioneers of this genre of music, and you've just completely gone a different way, uh, and you've completely disregarded the fan base that you had built up to this point now um check this out for a callback so we were just talking about nervosa and nervosa and i was telling you how bands really need to take chances when it comes to creative output yeah so you know we've we've said that afi they don't give a fuck if they do something different and they get hate for it or if they get more fans for it you know, Deftones do the same thing. They've got the same approach where they put out whatever they want to put out. And if people like it, they don't. If people love it, great. Now, I, I think that Suicide Silence, they really are part of, or they, they wanted to be part of that kind of uh, creative uh, output where regardless of what they put out, they, they didn't want to just be called the kings of deathcore you know yeah the, the the members of that band and the music that they write i'm pretty certain that they didn't want that tag of being oh i'm, I'm a person that writes deathcore riffs and that's all i'll ever be you know yeah i'll you, agree to that you you kind of you you want to be known you, you want to have a bit more creditation if that makes sense i mean for me personally yeah. i mean if i was somebody that wrote articles about fucking cheese and uh, I was known. <laughs> I was forever known as the guy that wrote about cheese, and he could describe how an epic cheese was. I wouldn't, for the rest of my human fucking adult life, I wouldn't want to be known as that guy that talks about cheese. I would, ask, <laughs> I, you know, may, maybe, maybe I'd start to sort of drop a few things in there, like I'd want to talk about, I don't know, fucking, you name it, sushi or fucking fried chicken. I'm the guy that writes about fried chicken, cheese, and fucking sushi. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) You know? Exactly. Yeah, I get your point. You know, if if I'm somebody who's putting my art out there and people like what you do and then they build up this sense of security, like, oh, well, they can't, you know, you can't go wrong. I fucking love deathcore and a band that does deathcore they're going to continue to shit out the same, same stuff over and over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, of course I'm going to like the next record. So, you know, they don't need to work as hard because I know I'm going to like it regardless. I think that suicide silence in their case, they thought to themselves, well, we're about four albums in, you know, we're sick of going through this repetitive nature of writing, you know, the same stuff over and over and over again. So why the fuck wouldn't we want to maybe, you know, spread our wings a little bit more? Why don't we kind of start to incorporate all of these elements of bands that we love, like Korn and Deftones and, you know, all this, this this music, presumably, that the members grew up on. Um, And I think that with their this record in particular i mean as you say i mean it opens with doris and then you start to move on to songs like silence listen dying in a red room and i think that you can 
when you listen to this album, you can clearly hear throughout the tracks that the band are really striving to do something that's outside of what they've already done. Absolutely. Um, You know, but the problem in that is that they've kind of threw themselves through themselves into that that decision making rather than just gradually uh you know introducing to them introducing themselves into those elements like slowly but surely yeah like, it's like instead of dipping their toes in the water they just decide to do a cannonball straight off the fucking dive boat yeah, yeah yeah i mean Which, that's exactly i respect them it. for doing that i just want to put it out that i absolutely respect what they've done on this album i think it's good that they haven't pigeonholed themselves as you're saying yeah it's just yeah. like it's just not for me basically yeah. when was this what album uh, 2017. 2017. Oh, because I was going to say, because Rob Robinson also Rob did a similar thing where he dived from like Machine Head, Corn, Slipknot to, of all people who you wouldn't fucking expect, Tac 9. Yeah. Made, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, made play. I had no idea about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he made the Tech 9 album. Um, his Therapy Sessions. Because, you know, so, yeah, yeah. like having think of being an artist who wants to cha- make a move and having a producer who's always kind of sat in that mid-ground because Tech's done a lot of heavier stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, obviously he wanted to make that difference. Like having a producer who's not afraid to make a drastic change. Exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes that that's like that's exactly what a band needs. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I was going to bring up a band like slipknot now let's take slipknot so you've got the first album you've got iowa right and then there's a big hiatus and then they come back with a record like volume three so if you compare the first slipknot album and the second slipknot album to volume three they're like it's night and day because you've got Corey taylor who's deciding to go against all of the stuff that Slipknot had done up to that point was just pure fucking carnage, chaos, rage, you know, rage, you know, that there was no, uh, there was no kind of leeway in terms of uh, melodic singing. I mean, you had the odd part here and there, but they would never have brought out a song like Vermilion, for example, on Iowa or Slipknot, like the debut Slipknot album. Um, But a band gets to a point where, they can't just continue to just shit out the same boring blah 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 because it then just becomes you know i mean i said to you um like eventually if you're a band like slayer for example that just continues to bring out album after album after album of the same same stuff you become a parody of yourself where people just say like you know what does the new Slayer album sounds like? Oh, it sounds like Slayer. And yeah. like, you know, it'll be... What's that, mate? Right? Always been my grove with Cannibal Corpse. Like, Yeah, exactly. They're, they're I mean, great. You listen to one Cannibal Corpse track, you've listened to their discography. You've heard it all, you know? Whereas if you're in a band that <laughs> doesn't want to be associated with that, oh, well, what does my new album sounds like? Oh, it sounds like my last album. Then fair enough. Why the fuck shouldn't you make some kind of decision yeah. to do something different or do something that's against the grain? Uh, and if it doesn't work, fair enough. Go back to the drawing board and maybe try again and slowly start to incorporate those differences. You know, going back to Slipknot, 
Slipknot didn't immediately jump into the whole melodic side of things. I mean, that on volume three, they had just as heavy songs as they did on Iowa or the first album, but they gradually started to incorporate more melodic stuff into their sound until they could eventually bring out a song like Snuff. Yeah, Dead Memories. I was going to mention Snuff. That is a very yeah, good, I mean, very good an- analogy. This is the thing. I mean, they're not just going to dive ball straight into like a change like suicide silence seems to have done on this record you know you've it's a gradual thing because otherwise if you like barnaby put if you cannibal if you fucking cannibal jump straight into like this other area of music with a fan base that knows you for a specific style of music then of course you're going to get like a backlash because people that loved you up to that point are going to be like well what the fuck what are you doing why aren't you doing the stuff that i want you to do um whereas if you take them on that journey with you and if you say look we're going to start in slowly incorporating more melodic stuff you know not not like to the extent of you know something like uh dying in a red room or uh uh what's that other one that's just pure melodic melodic throughout um conformity, conformity. you were like you know yeah yeah overshadowed by like the fact that a like if you change your style too much it's like being an artist i want to draw some graffiti that's fine i want to draw some portraits that's fine Mm. if all of a sudden you go i want to be hardcore punk okay cool actually do you know what i want to be melodic punk and people go well no you can't you can't do that like you get pigeonholed as a musician and also like well, do you know what 20 year old me who wanted to overthrow the government and set the fucking world on fire yeah. He was a lot more ragey. He wanted to scream at fucking assholes in the street, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. 31-year-old me is like, well, man, I own a house. I've killed my drug addiction problems. And actually, it's pretty good to be alive. You know, <laughs> like, 20-year-old me was like, well, can I hurry up and die now? 30-year-old me yeah, is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ah, dude. Like, and people forget that with musicians is that, like, they you change. Write about what, yeah, and you write about what you experience. Corey Taylor, yeah. for example, oh, I want to slit your throat, fuck the wound. Well, that's yeah. great when you're like fucked up on coke or been on a fucking three day bender. It's hilarious. Yeah. But like when you're 45 years old and you've got a wife and you've got a kid, like, yeah, all of a sudden that's not what you want to do anymore. What, like, what else is there to be angry about? Yeah. You can also show to other people who have been in your situation, like, you know what? It gets better, you know. Absolutely, like, man. You don't yeah. have to necessarily go from a mile a minute to zero miles an hour and be tame and bullshit, but yeah, your life experiences change, and you as a musician change. Yeah, absolutely. But you get pigeonholed to fuck as a musician. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right, it, I the, there's you. there's a certain expectation um, that people want to see. Um, and the problem is, if you divulge from that whatsoever, if, if you go a different direction to what they expect you to do, they'll jump on that bandwagon of being like, they're traitors, they don't do that, you know, that they're, they're basically not true to themselves anymore, you know, they're misguided. Well, hold on, you don't, you don't know that. I mean, what you need to do is you need to look at the bigger picture and you need to think, well, 10 years from now, do you still want suicide silence to be banging out the same old shit or do you want them to progress and become a lot more uh, a bigger band you know none of the bands that become big 
stay in this tiny little box that people expect them to be in. Exactly. You know? Well, look at Parkway Drive, for instance. They've gone from dedicated metalcore to more yeah. like arena metal sound, and now exactly. they're huge. That's a perfect comparison because uh, they. That's an album that we got to do on uh, on this section in particular is Aya, because uh, yes, you know, absolutely. a band like Parkway that being these kind of groove deathcore based kings move to an album like Aya, which starts to incorporate all of these different uh, sounds, more melodic vocals. It gets some shit, but now you look at where they are now in comparison to where they were on like a record like Deep Blue. You know, they're they're a much more bigger band. They've headlined Bloodstock. They're doing arenas. Whereas had they have continued to follow the path that, you know, they were on initially, there's no way that they would be in that position that they are right now. Absolutely. You know? And the thing is with Parkway is they kind of did it in a way where they didn't immediately dive bomb straight into something else. They gradually started to introduce uh, different elements to their sound where they could then make a song um, like, a, what's the big one off Aya that's got like the really kind of melodic hook? Um, oh, Vice Grip. Vice Grip, that's it. Fucking yeah, I mean, love that track like, so it's much. It's great. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, a band that went from doing Wild Eyes that can eventually then become this huge arena filled, fuck it, like fitting an arena and playing a song like Wild Eyes, it's because they've been able to incorporate all of these elements slowly but surely where they could keep their original fans and do a song that big and incorporate new fans. So it's gutting because Suicide Silence were, were kind of trying to do that, but they, I think what happened was, was that they got a bit too... Uh, carried away with like trying to do it all at once and trying to dive bomb straight into that creative process all at once um i mean you you look at the band now and you know they brought out an album since this become the hunter where they have gone back to a more deathcore original suicide silence sound you know and it's kind of sad to see because a band like that who were clearly trying to do something different uh they've had to go back on you know what they were originally trying to aim for is it's just sad to see man like you know had they have like gone back to the drawing board on this and they had brought out a record that still incorporated some of those like elements because there are songs on here like uh the zero which are great because on this album the zero it really does hit that point of introducing there's more melodic elements to a death call sound and had they have built upon a song like the zero or uh or run to a certain extent or dying in a red room like you say yeah then this really could have gone somewhere and it could have picked up but i think that the in suicide silence's case they just dive bombed into that world a bit too soon you know had they have gradually done this i don't think that they would have had the journey that they've had since then because now nobody really tends to give a shit about them anymore and it's sad to see because they're an incredible band but i just can't really see them getting especially after the last release as well they've kind of now put themselves in a box and i can't see them coming out of it anytime soon um which is sad because with a band that have got the black crown behind them and you can't stop me and the cleansing yeah there's there's no fucking reason why a band this good 
should be pigeonholed and be forced to stay in a box because you know <laughs> those records for me they're, they're they're as good as music gets from a, a heavy point of view anyway you know i mean uh i i fucking love suicide silence and uh it is just a bummer it's a bummer that really they're never i just can't see them bouncing back to the point where you know they're gonna be one of these parkway drive style bands or you know even thy art is murder to a certain extent thy art is murder they're on a run right now where they're getting slots on big stages and they're filling big venues because uh you know they're just fucking incredible what they do but you mark my words i guarantee that they are as murder at some point they are going to want to incorporate different sounds into uh, different elements into their sound because as good as they are at the death metal thing there's only so long it's it's only so long until you're going to want to start doing something a bit different you know you're going to you're going to want to start appealing to bigger audiences and the only way to do that is to evolve and if you can't evolve uh, because of the restrictions that the genre has then you know you kind of fucked from the get-go so yeah, um it's just the way it is i will mention that a deathcore band that has done this quite well actually and you might agree with me this with on me to this with this one Stephen. that is whitechapel mm, perfect I mean, take for instance um some of the songs off of mark the blade and the latest one the valley more specifically hickory creek and bring me home where yes, they've yes. incorporated clean vocals quite heavenly and they're amazing because yep. they're not going straight into the deep end. They're doing it where it's like, yeah, it's still going to be Deathcore, and it's still going to be what Whitechapel have always been known and yep. loved for. Exactly. But I mean, it's going to be incorporating these elements gradually, and I think they did an amazing job on both those records. Like, they're some of the I, most beautiful, beautiful and yeah. uh, therapeutic songs I've ever heard by Whitechapel. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Like, Whitechapel were the perfect example of... I don't know why I said Thy Eyes Murder, because Whitechapel uh especially with the valley where universal praise there was no fucking there was no kind of criticism about the valley the valley was absolutely welcomed in terms of metalheads and deathcore people you know there was nobody in the deathcore scene wiping away their tears with their stretched earlobes like there was with the fucking suicide (laughs) silence album (laughs) you know like it's just like uh it's just it is what it is. I mean, Whitechapel and their decision making, they obviously knew that you you couldn't immediately jump straight into that world. You had to gradually start to introduce it, which is why you've got songs like Hickory Creek that work so well. And, uh, you know, it's just a, that's a perfect example of what a band of that genre should do if they want to kind of progress and get more a bigger audience, you know. Um, you also have to be careful how you do it because not to like relapse back to the AFI thing. You think like they did Sing the Sorrow, yeah, which is a fucking masterpiece. Like, yeah, that as much as Black Sales is incredible, like Sing the Sorrow is one of those few albums that is like 110%, you know, like mm-hmm. it's perfect from front to back. But then yeah. you went to December Underground where they infamously did miss murder yeah they did like kill corset and like it introduced you to them not being this sort of like misfit sort of post-punk and you know they eased you into the fact that oh we've got clean vocals davy isn't screaming and growling anymore yeah okay right cool and then they did crash love and you're like 
well, dude, this sounds like it could be on the radio at like fucking midday. Yeah. You know, yeah. like even if you ease a bat, even if you ease people into it, I think you need to listen to what other people say because, you know, they went, oh, we've gone from gritty and our, the pinnacle of our sound to slightly toned down. Everyone's like, okay, cool. The slightly toned down a bit more. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. Panic. Yeah. So where were we with Suicide Silence? So we were talking about Whitechapel. I remember that. So saying that Whitechapel's basically Whitechapel's the way that Suicide Silence should have done it by easing into these elements gradually, as opposed to just cannonballing yeah. off the di- eating themselves off the diving board straight into it. One hundred percent. I mean, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, I mean, um, as I said to you, I mean, you cannot deny records like the cleansing, No Time to Bleed, uh, the Black Crown. You can't stop me. I mean, they're classic deathcore records. I mean, for my money, absolutely. For my money, I mean, bands like Carnifex, as you know, Chelsea Grin. I mean, as okay as those bands are, there's no, there's no deathcore band for me personally that come close to Suicide Silence. And uh, it's sad, but I do sincerely hope that maybe Suicide Silence. Off the back of the Hunter, which for for the most part did go back to a more deathcore sound that wasn't as good as those albums that I mentioned, uh, I sincerely hope that maybe they don't let the fan base have uh, as silly as it sounds. I, I I sincerely hope that the fan base don't have any influence over the next output because I think that band are capable of so much more, um, and you know let's hope that they can kind of salvage uh more and more people as their uh, as their career goes on but, absolutely um, yeah totally agree 100%. with that okay well uh that about does it for uh episode three of the rage in peace podcast aka the r.i.p podcast so uh we really repeat sorry fuck me we really appreciate you listening. So uh, we hope that you are back next week. And for now, uh, don't forget to subscribe on our YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud channels. And uh, we'll be back next week for uh, for more bullshit. Uh, I don't know if Christoph will be with us or not. Time Mate, will I'll fucking come back if you want me back. We'll always have you back. And you never know, we oh. might also have a uh, another person with us depending on if he's got to play some kind of FIFA games on his Xbox. He's got, he's got to go to an online kid rock convention. Steakhouses in Michigan to run. Can yeah. we do a kid rock special? Because we've, talk, we've spoken like tonight about artists who have gone from thrash to thrash, artists who have gone from fucking post-hardcore punk to pop punk. Like, Let's have an episode where we talk about kid rock. Who went from being a white man in a like in the hip hop scene to a white man in a new belt band? Went white man hip hop, white man in new metal to white man in soul funk R and B country and western. Like, fuck me, is is it really been that long since I've listened to Kid Rock that you now started doing R and B? Well, he does like country and western slash soul sort of stuff. Jeez. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, as a laugh, we should do Kid Rock, but we should only do it once Kid Cock is in the chat. Um, yeah, we have to get him on board for that. 
100%. Well, uh, once again, thank you very, very much for listening, everybody. And uh, we hope you have a lovely week up and coming. So, uh, again, thank you very much. And we'll be back next week with more stuff. So, uh, bye for now, everybody. Bye for now. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>